Welcome to another episode of Cactus Adventures, another stellar episode with our cast, Mike, Michael, and Lee. Uh, this week, Mickey T. Michael is going to tell us a little story about uh, wandering around the mountains in Montana, USA, on his recent visit over there. And we're going to talk a little bit Not about so uh, tourism in relation to um, global warming and effects on uh, nature and the environment. So why don't you give us a, a little bit of an intro, Mickey T, and tell us a bit about where you've been. Okay. Um, so I think we mentioned on, on uh, one of the earlier pods that were our first pod. No, no, we didn't mention that because it never got released. That's right. <laughs> we can do that again. This week, I'm talking about uh, my visit to Glacier National Park uh, in in the United States, not to be confused with the Canadian Glacial National Park or Glacier National Park. How long were you in the USA for? That particular trip, I was there two and a half months. Yeah, so I've been there three times now. Um, I've been to currently at 23 states, so doing all right. I know Mike, Mike has also, um, Mike has also traveled to the states. How many pl- uh, states did you go to, Mike? Uh, it's about 12, I think, maybe 10 or 12, something like that. Not as many as you. I mean, it's such a big country, like, I don't know. It, We'll definitely bring out like sort of parts of it in different pods, I reckon. Mm-hmm. Amazing spot. Um, so Glacier National Park is is in northwestern Montana, um, and it is on the the Canadian U.S. border uh, with Alberta, uh, Canada on the other side, and it has an adjacent. Uh, Canadian National Park adjoin adjoined to it because obviously the the significance of the landscape is natural in nature and the border that crosses <laughs> right through the mountain range uh, is human made <laughs> and more or less relevant. So you can like wander across it more or less, like there's. Oh, definitely. Yeah, def- yeah, definitely. I don't, I, I mean, I haven't personally done it, so I don't know how much. So if you were like an American citizen getting pretty tired of the coronavirus, you could just like do a little trek through Montana up to Alberta. Um, yeah, the, the Canadian US border is significantly less uh, patrolled and monitored uh, by the US government than than the the Mexico <laughs> yeah no, it's crazy yeah <laughs> tell um, us a little bit about the um the landscape and what what kind of animals you can see there um so the landscape is well it, uh, significant parts were glacial mountains um but they're quickly trending to post-glacial mountains with high levels of erosion and uh, complete altering of, of the landscape, essentially. Yeah, it's, it's a 
you know, these places on, on the fringe of our world's climate system show the most significant change. So it's, it's, a, it's a good landscape to illustrate what is happening to our planet. In terms of climate change, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The glaciers are melting, essentially. It's, yeah. uh, you know, and it's significant even just in, you know, the last hundred years the number of glaciers lost. Um, basically, uh, it's part of the Rocky Range. It's sort of an offshoot of the Rocky Mountain Range. So that's uh, the same Rockies as in Canada, right? That goes the whole yeah, way through. Yeah, Rockies, Canada and the United States. They run, you know, down through Colorado and such as well. Um, so uh, tell us the story of uh, your experience up there. Tell us about your, your hike up there. Sorry, guys. I maybe I shouldn't have had such big plays. What a surprise! No, just thinking that. Hey. <laughs> I'm not editing this out of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Oh, funny. What? What? You're trying to cut down to forty minutes, and you won't yeah, edit this. Half of it's gonna be. Half of it's gonna be a soccer. Oh man, uh, I see what's happening. You know, classic, you know, just media portrayal, just warping what's happening. It's yeah. a comedy, well, it's, a, it's, it's not a serious thing. Yeah. Okay. So, so tell us about, um, tell us about so Montana. Glacier National Park, there in early, early, or oh, sorry, late spring, early summer. What month is that? Sorry? What month is that? Like May? So like like June July are the height of summer basically. Yeah. So you were there in like June. Yeah. Yeah. Probably um, early to mid June. Yeah, I'd say mid June. And this uh, in the in the summertime, the American National Parks are just incredibly uh, overwhelmed with with visitors. But most of them stick to the roads because there's generally quite significant roads through the national parks. And in is the that case, mostly domestic tourists? Uh, I don't know the numbers on domestic tourists, but Glacier National Park, for example, might only be open for three months of the year, but they will see three million guests in that life in, in that in that time. Sorry, yeah, a lot of people. Eh? A lot of people. And so it's just like gridlock and bumper to bumper and it, it's kind of crazy. Everyone's there to see nature, but they're, they're all coming at the same time and it kind of disturbs the process. So Louisa and I, um, we decided to go for a hike up the mountain and see if we could get to one of the glaciers. And it starts out in the valley floor as um, large podocarp uh, forest winding the track winds it, its way up up the one of the glacial valleys uh quite an older valley and and you begin to climb beyond the the forest and you start to get into little meadow lands and things like that and and then beyond that you start you start to get into the rougher sort of tussocks kind of kind of landscape until you reach that point where you're just in the the post glacial uh, landscape, bare as it is, um, 
like standing in, in front of you is is a giant rock dome where the glacier you would be sitting on top of it and that the that initial first run of the glacier down the the dome would give it the speed and momentum along with the climate being right i.e. warmer um to to allow it to slide down down the mountain at at a good pace you know <laughs> and now this was all gone it had receded right right up behind it and so we'd been walking for a few hours at this point and the track had to cross uh in a number of places this this large large dome of of rock and uh it began to get quite steep and rocky and yeah the track was essentially carved out of a cliff and there's waterfalls coming down and mountains either side of of the valley uh with with uh snow cap is this a proper walking track like it's on the maps and stuff or were you guys kind of oh yeah yeah well this yes this is the walking track but obviously they've had to make the walking track longer and longer as the glacier has receded um and we get to a point where it's it's pretty well sheer cliff there's sketchy streams to cross um and the track's not looking looking so good. And we're met on the track by the the, the uh, symbol of the national park, which is the the mountain goat. It's the official sure. symbol of the park, and they're, they're they're white with short horns, and they've got like a stern, long, long, long face and muscular body, and they they they're just scruffy as anything like you know they've been living up <laughs> on the mountain surviving on very little are these uh, the happily. are these the the mountain goats that eat like tin cans and gumboots and stuff oh uh, well i don't i i didn't see any tin cans or gumboots but <laughs> they, they, ate them all they, they were definitely <laughs> they were definitely uh they would definitely eat it uh, or yeah. give it a go if it had had some kind of sustenance but this their fur was all gnarly and um big beards on the on the mouths and stuff and they were just climbing up all over all over the side of the cliff yeah the 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 weather began to pick up and we decided that the glacier had receded too far and we didn't have much more suitable conditions left uh, to go all the way up so we decided to come back down okay so how far how up um high do you think you were well there there are a number of peaks within the range that are over three thousand meters high so so we we would have been you know a few hundred meters short of that probably how many hours walk was it we left in the morning and got back late in the the afternoon tell us about them marmots well them marmots uh so uh marmots, like a chipmunk uh, or something yeah, what yeah is a marmot? Uh, it's it's kind of like a alpine rodent like a large alpine rodent and uh lives lives up uh in the top of the snow line or beyond it and they live under rocks and things like that and they kind of look like a, a big uh, guinea pig or something. 
a lot more a lot more ferocious they're survivors you know they survive on on a mountain so um you don't want to fuck with them how big are they are they pretty fast uh yes they Whoa! can be really, really Lisa's pulled Lisa's pulled up yeah, a picture of it that's right. and it's like that's right. it's like this chipmunk thing like sitting on a rock it's like hanging out that um they can be very fast and they're probably like 30 centimeters long maybe maybe more so what happened when you uh were walking back down the uh, mountain we've encountered the the mountain goats and the marmots um so we pass them and we begin crossing crossing the main stream again working our way down from the tops down down towards the the meadows and then uh, onto the forest and we begin seeing uh, rocks overturned along the track because it's some of some of the track cuts along into the hill and 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 there's dirt that's been disturbed and things like that and they're just indiscriminately knocked all all over the track and things like that and and we just like somebody seeing... somebody had like done it on purpose like overturned stones or something yeah 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 like some 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 uh dickhead had been coming along and like pulling like just kicking out all this stuff and turning it around and things like that and it got to a point where like there was like a big mess like on on the on the track and i i uh we both stopped and and looked at it and we're like what like why is someone doing this like it's just very disrespectful to the park and lou calls out michael <laughs> and i i like turn around to look and and lou is, is is sort of like gazing off into into the distance with horror and as i turn around I'm confronted in the meadow behind us uh, a full-grown adult grizzly bear with with the head the size of a car tire. Like these things weigh hundreds of kilos. But like you know, who knows how much really? They're just huge beasts of muscle and fur and teeth and um, was it close? And, and and just instinct. It was well. It was it was only you know a few meters away from us, maybe five, ten uh, meters. Yeah. Fuck um, that, dude! Not not a right there. It was right there, and I just instinctively went, "Holy shit!" <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, "Oh fuck!" I'm gonna you know shut up, and then like the beer was was there like eating berries in the meadow because you know the the omnivores they'll they'll eat anything really and they love berries you know people think about them like catching salmon or running down other animals and stuff like that but they'll happily eat a bunch of berries in 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 the you know summertime <laughs> um but it it it's eating the berries and we, as i like yell out <laughs> in horror it um it raises its head at us and just looks right at us and and we were like okay we need to get the fuck out of here because 
lots of trampers and it's recommended. You know, you have to take a lot of precautions for beers. You keep all your food in a, in a tin uh, that you hang in, hang in a tree or a container that you hang in a tree. And people have beer spray. It's basically pepper spray for beers. And you've got a big tank of it. And if a beer tries to attack you, you spray it in the eyes. But we, we were out for a day trip. We didn't have any beer spray. So we quietly walked away from the beer, very sort of quiet and cautious and just slow and intentional in our movement. And the beer was like, oh, yeah, whatever. Like, I'm a beer. I don't really care about you guys. If you fuck off, then sweet as I'll go back to eating the berries. Yeah, more berries for me, right? That's amazing, man. I mean, there's um, different procedures, right, for different bears. Like some of them you're supposed to walk away, some of them you're supposed to play dead. The best thing to do is calmly walk away and not turn your back to the bear. So if you want to be bold, you could fully challenge the bear and it might peek it out, but you don't want to risk that with a grizzly, I'd say. <laughs> so I live, I live in like northern Japan at the moment and I've been here for, I don't know, a while. And springtime is when they all come out. So recently under the COVID thing, like I was going on these big walks, like three hour walks every day up the mountains. And like, I, like there's a path that it used to walk down. And then like, I, I didn't actually go this one time, but my girlfriend did. And these sort of old, this old Japanese couple comes down. They're like, what are you doing? They're like, and my girlfriend's like, oh, I'm just going for a walk. And these old people were like, you shouldn't be here, buddy. There are beers around. And I was like, oh, are you kidding me? Like, that's where I go for walks every time. And I was like, actually quite <laughs> afraid of it. And I was like, oh, crap. So I went on the internet and I, I did a whole bunch of research on bears. It's kind of interesting we talk about this because I like, I did like a lot of bear research and I read several articles. There, it doesn't seem to be like there's any like one standard way of doing it apart from like not making a big noise and not like kind of startling it just kind of be calm and kind of back away. But like some people say like wave your, slowly wave your hands. So we'll just say don't do that, make yourself look small. Um, and it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of terrifying. Like I always like, I was trying to imagine what I would do if I saw a beer, because there are a lot, not lots, there are quite a few beers up here in, in Northern Japan, in Hokkaido. And yeah, you're actually describing like my worst nightmare right now, so. <laughs> Well, I, I'd say uh, that advice, it's probably both, because if they survived to tell you about it, <laughs> That's amazing. I would be all um, over it, man. If there was bears anywhere near me, I would be out there trying to see them for sure. <laughs> nah, man. No, not in your life, mate. Not in your life. I'd do anything to avoid them. You, I was you, say like... that, Lee. you say that, Lee, but then you see it and you're like, we need to get the fuck out of here yeah <laughs> totally. uh, we used to actually when we were walking like i listened to podcasts on that walk um and my girlfriend's like okay next time we have a podcast because i like look up these mountains and stuff and she's like take your like a little bluetooth speaker play your podcast on the speaker so that bears know that you're coming apparently they've also got like beer bells and you like put them on your pack or whatever that way you don't come around the corner and surprise one totally because i don't want to be surprised yeah, that's the last thing you want to do, I guess. So, yeah. Like, hey, uh, like, I'm some fresh meat for you after you've just had like a three months like sleep, you know? Well, so, the best, easiest thing to do is to clap. clap. Yeah. 
you just you just clap loudly because if if like a beer doesn't really want to interact with you and if they have forewarning that you're there that they you know unless they're protecting food or young or something they're going to to leave you know yeah yeah, yeah. um so so we get uh you know uh wee ways down the track we we managed to like take a cheeky photo of its backside like in the meadow so we got that it's a bit blurry but it's evidence and uh and we get a wee ways down the track and i realize i've left my my favorite hat that i'd been carrying the whole journey with us that was very personally significant as an object and i made the foolish decision of of going back to get my hat i have like i wasn't thinking rationally and um but i did get back to the hat i did see the back side of the bear again i grabbed my hat and like quietly snuck out of there but i wouldn't recommend that yeah <laughs> i mean were you like holy shit and then like accidentally dropped your hat or is that what happened or you just kind of like Okay, so, so like you know when you I, meet a girl or something and you leave something behind so you can go back and you've got an excuse to go back uh, and have a look. <laughs> no, no, I like I left it on a rock, uh, just a little bit down from. So there's like a meadow uh, next to the track, and then the track curved down below the meadow, and I'd left the hat sort of there, so I could see the beer while I was getting it, and then uh, but. I mean, there's quite a few beers there. Further along the track, we start seeing sign again. Sign being, um, you know, disturbed rocks and things like that. But this time, it was a it was a young brown bear, and uh, he, you know, they use the track as a highway. Essentially, it's the easiest way through the forest if you're a bear. And so he's just like plodding along, you know, like really just happy as anything. Like I'm a bear in the forest plodding along occasionally, like knocking a rock over or like, or like uh, they'd put their whole front up in the air and then, and then push into the ground with, with their paws and claws to like dig up bugs. And then they just like have a big munch on bugs. (laughs) Are they? That's are, amazing. Are they? Are they much smaller? The the brown bears. I mean, the grizzlies are massive, right? But the I brown mean, bears are smaller. As, as far as bears go, it it's much smaller. It's like half the size of of a of a grizzly. Yeah. So I guess the bears there, they got to make the most of it because in a few weeks' time, it's going to be chock full of tourists, right? Well, it was already getting that way by the time we went. Did he see much of an impact there on it to show, you know, that there was millions of people coming through there every year? I would say they do well with the resources they have. They're underfunded, under-resourced. Um, there's each, each national park has, has a independent conservation organization, which is like a, a charitable organization that basically is like the fundraiser for the national park because the national park is not funded. So this is like, like the thing is like, 
that they still need to raise money for these resources. They've just privatized the requirement to generate the money while underfunding the park as a whole, which means they can only fund certain projects and, um, you know, make the resources better and things like that. Yeah. That's crazy. Like, so these, basically you've got these organizations that have to go out and find funding themselves. Basically, and they, they work hand in hand with the national parks. They're essentially like an externalized fundraising organization that is working closely with you, yeah. Rather than just funding the national park from uh, government resources. They have um, a system of huts like we know from uh, New Zealand and also in Australia where you can walk in and do several day hikes and stay overnight. Um, yes, but it's far more regulated. Um, well, at least in the national parks anyway. New Zealand is definitely uh, uh, in terms of great walks and things like that has got a similar system, but in, in the US, you have to pay to go into the park itself. And then accommodation might be, you know, uh, cheap accommodation, or it could, or it could be like a, a chateau lodge. As um, you know, there's many hotels within Glacier National Park, and um, you know, it it became became a national park because it was of tourism value for uh, largely for a, a, a railway company that ran south of the park and promoted it as a tourist destination and had a bunch of hotels. Like basically so, come on this train ride and it's going to go through this like really beautiful area, the Rockies or whatever. And then along the way you can stop and visit yeah. a five star chateau or something. Oh, it's the same, same railway where you would get to um, shoot Buffalo from the train. As you drop, you know, as the train ran through the prairies, you would just stick your gun out the window and shoot buffalo. You know, they, they don't do that anymore. Like bison. No, they don't do it anymore. Yeah, bison. Yeah, they they also almost made them go extinct, basically, just because everyone was shooting them. They're good, good resource, big animal, good resource. Yeah. Um, but the, yeah, the park park was was created um, uh, after an, a number of uh, con of the early conservationist movement uh, got the got the park um, created in the first place as a as a forest park. But you know, it's since gone on to become a national park. Uh, is a uh, 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 dark skies reserve together with its sister national park in Canada. Um, it's world heritage site for its significant uh, landscape features and climate um, and, and uh, ecosystem, which, you know, as we said, is under a state of flux. And um, you know about endangered animals there, if there's any... Uh, um animals there that are uh, on the endangered list or uh, any special ecosystems that aren't found anywhere else? Well, I don't know about the endangered list. I haven't looked into those specifics, but, yeah. um, but the, the ecosystem is diverse because it's, it's a mountain range surrounded largely by, by prairie and tundra. And so 
you have you have significant variation in landscape based on both the sediment that sedimentary material for which things you know would grow on um, but also the plant diversity uh, and the altitude um, create significantly different landscapes throughout the park that's partly why it's significant you know it's also a significant source of water for for a lot of those lands around it as well um, due to, to glacial melt in, in the in the springs and and now that it's not been recharged by the snow cycle as the climate warms um, losing significant amounts of of glaciers so sort of when when uh at the la last glyce uh sorry at the last ice age or the little ice age sorry um yeah the so the mini mini ice age is a period when uh well there's a number of things that could have affected it but largely put it down to volcanic activity which which then put particles into the atmosphere that blocked out a lot of sunlight, which then cooled the earth, uh, leading to glacial expansion and also a lot of big snowstorms and failed crops and things like that, and starvation and the like. Um, but yeah, in, for glacier, it, it led to, you know, 150 uh, glaciers estimated uh, post that. And, and from, from there, uh, you know, during the Industrial Revolution, we saw the glaciers begin to melt again. And now there are only 25 glaciers left. And the, they estimate that, uh, that all the glaciers could be gone by 2030. It's just like unheard of that this would happen in, in like our, our our life scale, you know, things happening on a global scale that affect like glacial expansion, um, they have they happen um, over significant periods of time, and the fact that we're able to just like just like melt it all <laughs> in in a, a couple of hundred years or so, you know, is yeah, it's pretty pretty significant. Wow. Is that is that is that um, glaciers globally, or are you talking about? What, what are you talking about? Uh, this is glaciers globally. So there's thirty glaciers in the world. No, 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 no. What? Thirty glaciers in the world? No, no. Thirty. There's twenty five um, glaciers in Glacier National Park. Yeah, right. Okay. Sorry. There was hundred and fifty. No, I mean New Zealand. Uh, what um, three? No, well, no. New Zealand. When I was at university and like six, seven years ago, New Zealand had about thirteen hundred glaciers. What? Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. And a lot of permafrost. So it's a big issue for New Zealand too. We're going to see significant erosion of our mountains due to the loss of permafrost. So that's for people who don't know, the ground freezes and it contains a lot of moisture. And in New Zealand's case, because we have significant uplift and it's all schist, it's very flaky. 
crumbles easily. And so once that permafrost goes, there's nothing holding the rock together and you get significant amounts of erosion. So. Okay, that's wild. And any idea in Montana specifically how quickly it's receding? Like they, they think it's going to happen in our lifetime, it's going to disappear? Well, yeah, yeah. 2030 is the estimate for for them to disappear. And that, that's, you know, could be so, sooner. Mike, are you saying are you saying that you need to get in quick? Everybody go there now before this. <laughs> well, that's no, the thing. No well, people people are saying that you know, uh, people I hear I hear people say you know better go see it before it's gone. But I mean, like, what's what's I mean, what's what's the story with that? So, you know, there's it, well, it could be gone within ten years, and then you've got people saying, well, I mean, like, I'm, I'm not going to go visit it. Like I'd love to, but I'm probably not. But like if you were say, you know, an American and you wanted to go see one of these natural these one of these places, you have ten years to see it. I mean, but that prob that probably like adds to the problem, right? Yeah, the significant numbers increasing and Glacier National Park has has a road that goes up through the glacial landscape over the mountain. It's called like uh was it the sun road or road to the sun and it, it's it's, it's like it's like internationally significant as as uh construction you know you know it's sort of like we did it we conquered nature we built a road right through the middle of this like significant landscape through the middle yeah. of a mountain um but yeah well every year there's more people visiting more people visiting and you know we all need to think about the fact that by going to see it, we we also we are destroying it in the process. So I mean, real quickly, like random question, but Mikey, do you feel like I mean, anytime anybody does anything, is it was it a positive that you guys went? I mean, I, I hate to sort of like zero sum about it, but like you guys going by the nature of the fact that you did that has kind of added to you know, the destruction of the, of that environment in a way. Yeah, it's a real, it's a real conflicted emotion because, you know, I fly to America and I, I drive across the, the country, you know, um, we did 16,000 kilometers in our, in our trip and <laughs> there's yeah, a lot of K's in a car. K's, man. So, yeah. And you do, you look at it and, but I don't know, I, it's, it's hard because yes, we're contributing to it, not only, not only going to see something like that, but also in our daily lives. Um, and we can try to minimize it, um, but it, it's a structural part of our society um, that, that needs a, a, a larger solution than, than, than what I can do myself. I definitely do my best and try, and I think about it every day. Um, like, what sort uh, of stuff are we talking about, like, yeah. that we can do at home, like recycling, stuff like that? You got to, well, no, not. <laughs> <laughs> There's an interesting one. Don't, recycling is a classic human reaction to a problem is to, like, solve the 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 problem and not the root cause like yeah. 
don't recycle, just don't waste in the first place. Don't use those things, you know, stuff like that. I think the fact that people can go and see these places, even if it is contributing, um, the fact that it's increasing in numbers and people have that experience, you know, like I'm, I'm sure that most people who go home from seeing this and realizing what's happening um, in this landscape and for all of us globe, globally, that will create significant change, it's significant positive change. Yeah, definitely going there and appreciating it and then being aware of maybe the impact that you make and uh, being able to educate others. I, I spent some time researching uh, this sort of area that that um, on on the West Coast, we have the Fox and Franz Joseph Glaciers and they- New Zealand. In New Zealand, west coast of New Zealand, yeah, um, they they're significant because they they start in our highest mountain range, the Southern Alps, and finish down in a temperate rainforest on the west coast. Is that unusual? Like, do you, do you know much about that? Stuff? Yeah, yeah, it's unusual. It's yeah. it's it's not very common in the world. To have have glaciers finish in forests, they normally normally in a quite a barren landscape. I remember going to Fox Glacier when I was a kid. My mum was born there. I remember going there when I was like ten years old and, and walking up to the glacier and thinking, "Wow, this is amazing!" You know, it's a really like amazing to see. And then I went, uh, must have been about three or four years ago, and it was like you like. There was no walking track how far like to, to the place where it receded to. Like it just receded so much, it was unbelievable. And at that point, I was like, oh, no, like we're in real trouble like, with that sort of stuff. But even like, yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I know nothing about the science of this sort of thing. I, well, I, all, all that I know, all of my reaction to this is basically emotional, which is to say that it's like incredibly sad that we're gonna be, we are losing these things. But like, do, do either of you guys know about like? how you can actually solve it. Like, for example, you know, we're talking about like limiting climate change, like two degrees, da 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 da, da all this sort of stuff. But will that actually stop the... No. It's, it's not going to it. It's basically gone, right? Um, yeah, we, we can't stop what we've already put into the atmosphere. So it has a... Uh, the atmosphere, basically things that are emitted into the atmosphere have different... Um, years or amounts of time that they they spend um, in the atmosphere, and so so we've got a tail. So everything we've we've uh, emitted into the atmosphere now is there, and we have to deal with the consequences of that. So the the only thing we can do is change our future so that it doesn't get worse than we've already made it. Good times. <laughs> yeah. Not easy task. It's a significant <laughs> change. Like um, I, I was part of a team that created information boards for uh, Doc on the West Coast for the two glacial uh, walkways. So as part of a university project, there was a team of five of us and we had to, the boards uh, to talk about the glacier, the landscape, what's going on, the local like uh, environment, um, what's happening at the local scale, and then, and then as you walk up the valley, 
different boards will will expand upon what's happening at the local scale and extrapolate that to to the global change that's happening right um and how they as as humans are affecting the environment um and and how you can can change that and yeah they've put those they've put those information boards up both valleys as far as i know so random question but like did you go to other glaciers and, and other, you, you would have been to like multiple national parks in the States, right? Um, but I've, yeah, I've been to uh, Zion National Park, which is in Utah. Incredible landscape. I can definitely talk about that at a later date. And, uh, and also a quick stint in, uh, in um, Yellowstone. Uh, it was gridlock traffic madness everyone's driving like 20k an hour the whole way that's delightful yeah we got out of there pretty quick we sort of like hit the like you know main tourist spots and then <laughs> and then left you know so mikey like what 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 you'd recommend going there right like i mean when we were talking before but like you'd recommend people go up and check out these places right yes yeah yeah just I guess take it as an opportunity to think about um, your world and the effect you have on it, and um, how how you can how you can change that. Basically, yeah, yeah, because we all want to be able to visit these places and um, and support the the nourishment of those environments that we cherish so much. Yeah, that's good. And you really got to look into, you know, how you can, how you can help some of these places and do a bit of research about, um, about the place itself and then about what you can do to help. Cause it's kind of, you know, you got to do something through your university, which is kind of unexpected, but it's a great way to, to bring awareness to people and, um, learn more about a really awesome place. Yeah, well, well, the the research showed us. So we did surveys and things like that as well, and as well as looking at a number of other studies that were were done on visitors and it's New Zealanders and Australians who were least likely to believe in climate change and also least likely to believe that if there is climate change, um, it's man-made. So, yeah. Jeez, that's not a very good record for us. That's, is it? that's terrible. Yeah, so that's why we were really focusing on on marketing that information to to those visitors. You know. Yeah, it's really important. I mean, it's easy to take care of your own backyard, but when other people are coming to visit it, that's when the damage is going to get done. Yeah. Well, you know, the reason New Zealand still has significant environment. Um, is because we have a lot of national parks um, and reserves and things like that. A third of the country is uh, crown owned uh, or in partnership with Māori. And also because we really do not have a lot of people here. And that's, that's probably the main, <laughs> the main re reason. We're still, we're still using materials at high rates beyond the earth's capacity. So, you know, Per capita. Yeah, that's right. All right. Well, that's an amazing story, man. It must have been pretty crazy seeing a grizzly bear. Yes, an experience I will never forget. 
That's massive. Thanks for sharing that with us. It's absolutely crazy. And next week, Mike's going to have a story for us. What will it be? Who knows? Yeah, what will it be? I don't know. Right, we'll see how we get on with that. Give a this little... man's bluffing. <laughs> this man's bluffing. He's got plenty of stories. Oh, I've got a, sto- oh, I've got a good story. Boy, do I have a story. Okay, I've got a good story. And it's in a really random spot as well. Like, you guys will never, never guess where it'll, where, like, it'll be. In fact, like, yeah, it's super random. Tune in, tune in next week if you want to find out what also, if you want to send us in some of your uh, some of your adventures, you can contact us at adventurescactus at gmail.com. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. What is it? Is it adventures cactus or cactus adventures? Adventures cactus at gmail.com. Cactus advent cactus adventures was taken. Ah, okay. So that's why how you will remember. Okay, so adventurescactus at gmail.com. Yeah, yeah. That's we're going to get, I'm already lighting up some guests as well to come on the pod. So I don't know. We'll, we'll, um, we'll keep yeah. lists posted. I've definitely, got a, I've definitely got a short list um, of people who I know will have good adventures. So. Does like prison count as a, <laughs> as a place that you can Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's that's definitely a culture shock. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> okay, guys, well, thank you so much for, for tuning in. And um, as Mike said, hit us up if you've got new adventures that you'd like to share. Otherwise, we'll see you all next week. Ciao. Woo-hoo.